0: To Psalm 121, the text is printed on the next page of the bulletin for you. Um, I have been made aware of the fact that maybe some of next week's bulletins were mixed in with this week's bulletins, so I'm sorry about that. And if you haven't been able to follow follow along uh, in the service to this point, just that's you know check the date on the front of your bulletin and uh, <clears throat> go go back and get a new one. Um, It's the the 22nd today. So, uh, Psalm 121. This psalm, uh, as we're going through our series on the psalms, it's uh, it's the first one that we've gotten to that we're going to address that has the header, a song of ascents. And it's in a group of 15 psalms, uh, right in a row. It's Psalms 120 through 134. It's a section in the Psalter that all they share the same title, that header that you can see uh, printed there, a song of ascents. So three times a year, uh, for the great festivals in Israel, uh, the men of Israel were to come up to Jerusalem. That's what it's called, going up to Jerusalem. Uh, no matter which direction you're coming from, uh, you go up to Jerusalem, and the men of Israel three times a year were to do that uh, up to the temple to Mount Zion, where God's glory dwelt among His people. For these. Great festivals and uh, and these songs that are labeled a Song of the Sense, uh, most scholars believe that they were songs for their pilgrimage, songs uh, for the way there songs that uh, really in some sense reflect uh, a greater aspect of uh, people 's lives than just the, the literal trek up to Jerusalem three times a year for a feast um, but uh, that 's where these songs are sort of located in israel 's history and in their usage. Uh, The Songs of Ascent are for making that pilgrimage up to the great festivals. So the road there uh, was sometimes very difficult and dangerous, uh, depending on which direction you came from. Um, But uh, one of the main roads, uh, it's basically a a dry, dusty, rocky desert path that's exposed to the elements. You're climbing through this rocky terrain of hills and canyons uh, where... um, It's not just the elements that are a danger to people, but the the pilgrims could be ambushed and were ambushed uh, by brigands, uh, criminals along the way. So you might recall Jesus talking about this particular road in his uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, he starts off this parable, this this story, um, by saying a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he's on that same road. He's just going the other way. a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him for dead so it's a pretty pretty rough road and this was not a surprise to anybody that a story would start off like this Um, but it was a a rough road but it's one they're committed to traveling that the, the people of Israel were committed to traveling so Psalm 121 is a good song for a rough road like that it's a good song for a rough road up to God's party up to God's party, the great festivals. Uh, and that's a good picture of the Christian life. Each Christian, each individual, single, every single one, uh, each Christian is on a pilgrimage of what we call ascension, a pilgrimage of ascension to the Lord. We're winding our way through the difficult and dangerous terrain of the world. Right? We're not just on a, a dry, dusty desert road in the Middle East somewhere, but the whole world is sometimes difficult and dangerous for us as we're on our way Uh, Ascending to the Lord Our ultimate destination is God's festival presence The, The ultimate destination of each and every single Christian Is God's festival presence in the new Jerusalem In the new heavens and the new earth It's the place where his people will dwell with him in glory forever That's where we most want to be But the way there The way there is too hard to go it alone As we're making our way to the big party, we're unsure of what twists and turns lie ahead of us, what rock slides, what pitfalls, what ambushes we might encounter. Uh, We can find strength and help in songs like this one, on our way to the big party. So uh, so that's how we're going to view it. We're going to take Psalm 121 this morning. Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, thank you that you've sent your word into this world in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've handed us your very word in uh, print form. You've placed it in our hands, in our language, so that we can understand what you have to say to us, what the Spirit has to say to us. We pray for your Spirit's work now. You would help us uh, not just to understand your word, but to be changed by it in our relationship with you we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A Song of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the hills From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord Who made heaven and earth He will not let your foot be moved He who keeps you will not slumber Behold, he who keeps Israel Will neither slumber nor sleep The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So. you may have noticed uh, this psalm is the prayer song of an individual. Uh, all of the language that we find in this psalm is in the singular, right? First person, singular, I, me, my, or, uh, or second person, singular, your. Um, all of it's, uh, it's the prayer song of an individual <clears throat> person. A, a pilgrim is on his way up to the big party in Jerusalem, and, uh, and you get the sense that he's alone on the road, right? He's singing this song for himself, not as part of the group, but for himself. Uh, Sometimes in life you feel like you're all alone. You feel like you're isolated. Sometimes you feel that way. Maybe a lot of times you feel that way. Even if other pilgrims happen to be nearby, you can feel that way. You feel alone and isolated. A strong sense of aloneness can tempt you to fear. Fear. Uh, a strong sense of aloneness can tempt you to self-pity. Uh, a strong sense of aloneness can tempt you, on the other hand, to self-sufficiency. I've got I've to do this on my own. I can do this on my own. This whole thing called life. But when God teaches you to pray this psalm, you can learn from, from God that actually you're not alone. Even if you're praying in the first person singular about yourself and have a sense of being alone You can learn from God That, uh, that he has a relationship with you <clears throat> As an individual person He has a relationship with you As an individual person A lot of the Psalms we know are prayers In corporate language about us From us Us, the church, to God Because God has a relationship with his people With the community of his people And that might even be primary in the Scriptures But some of the Psalms Are individual prayers like this one where I need help, I need help. Where God helps me and God keeps me since I'm feeling alone or isolated on the rough road of life. So, little children, little children, listen to this just for a minute. There will probably come a time in your life when some well meaning adult says something like, you are responsible to have your own faith. You are responsible to have your own relationship with God. The best way to hear that, let me just tell you right now, the best way to hear that is like this. It's hard to believe, but God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you personally as as a person. And it's hard to believe, but it's true. Um, When you're learning what it means to be just yourself, just yourself, just one person, just a Christian with your own relationship with God, you can use a psalm like this. You can use Psalm 121. And you can learn from it and be helped by it because Psalm 121 teaches us really in reassuring ways. It's really meant to reassure us and encourage us and strengthen us with the good news that the Lord... He's not just our God. That's amazing. We spend a lot of time talking about how He's our God together as the church. But He's my personal help. He's my helper. He's my keeper. It's a, uh, that Hebrew word can also be translated He's my guard. He's my personal helper. He's my guard. That's a ridiculous thing to say because I'm a nobody. It's a ridiculous thing to say because it's... I'm worse than a nobody. I've sinned against God. Right? We've already talked about that. I've violated my relationship with God. And I don't even deserve an invitation to the big party in the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know why he would invite me to such a place, to such a party, to be with himself at these great festivals. To be with him uh, in the ultimate festival in the new heavens and the new earth. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve... Him to be my helper or my guard along the way? And what? Am I going to claim God as my personal helper? As if I were the VIP and he's my personal bodyguard? I mean, as shocking as it sounds, yes, the psalm is saying uh, something kind of like that. Kind of like that. The the singer is on the hard road up to the festival. He's looking up. He's looking ahead at the mountains that he's got to climb. And he feels his need for help of some sort. Uh, It's not really spelled out. This is the kind of help that I need. But he knows he needs help of some sort. And that word help, when we see it, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That word help is the same word that we find in the beginning of the Scriptures in Genesis 2, when the Lord said... It is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper for him. I'll make a helper for him. So God created the woman for the man to help him in his life. That could mean a lot of things. But, but really, what, one of the first things you see there in the context of the Scriptures is that the man needed companionship. He needed a peer relationship. Because at this point, it was, it was really just him and God. And God said, oh, no, he needs a peer relationship. He needs a companion. He needs another human being to come alongside of him as an equal, as a partner for life. And this psalm is saying that God condescends to become that partner. God condescends to become... uh, The helping companion that we need He comes alongside of us as a partner on the hard road to the big party Jesus is that Jesus is God in the flesh He's God condescended to become one of us God stooped down low so that he could be with us Actually in a peer relationship To be the helping companion that we need And in John's Gospel, Jesus uh, talks about himself that way, and he talks about the Holy Spirit that way. He said he'd send the Holy Spirit, who would be another helper, another one to come alongside of his people along the way. So even though he's the Lord, even though he's God, this is the ridiculous thing, he's the creator of all things. He is your creator. You would not exist apart from him. He's unthinkably greater than you in sheer being. He's unthinkably greater than you in in sheer goodness. You, each one of you, may make the amazing statement, my help, my companionship, my partnership, This, this partner that helps me. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He wants you to pray that way. He wants you to pray that way, especially when you're sensing that it's not good that a person should be alone. Um, Now, you've got to ask the question, what kind of help are we talking about here? Because I can come up uh, with a a lot of versions of uh, what help should look like to me, the kind of help that I would want, the kind of help that I would demand or insist upon receiving from the Lord. Uh, Are we talking about help to play the sports game better? Are we talking about help to get good grades? Are we talking about the kind of help that you need to find a good spouse and good lifelong companionship? Are we talking about help to get a good job? Help to live a comfortable life? Help to get healthy again? Help to be a decent person? I mean, it's pretty natural to ask for help in those kinds of uh, ways, for those kinds of things. And there are probably good ways to ask God to help you with all those things. But here in the context of this psalm, a song of ascents. There's one objective. There's one goal. There's one destination that I, as the singer of this psalm, am concerned with. There's one thing. I'm traveling this road on the way into God's festival presence. I'm on my way to the big party in the new heavens and the new earth. And I need help. I'm not going to make it there without the help of God himself that 's the kind of help that God is promising to us promises throughout all the scriptures. So when the psalm says, uh, "My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth uh, it's, it's saying that the help that the Lord can offer you, the help that the Lord is to you, is almighty it's omnipotent it's unstoppable. the same kind of health, uh, the same kind of help the, the power that spoke light into darkness that spoke um, into the nothing, and then there was everything. Right? It's saying that. It's not just saying that. It's saying more than that. Even more, it's, it's an indication of the shape of His help. It's an indication of the shape of His help. It's the kind of power that God is going to employ in order to get you to the big party in the new heavens and the new earth. He's the Creator. He's the one who made heaven and earth, and when He helps me, it'll look like a new creation. It'll look like a new creation bringing me, as a new creation, into the new heavens and the new earth that He makes in His creative power. Because that is the kind of help that I really need in order for me to belong in this new Jerusalem, in order for me to go to the big party and not feel totally out of place, and rejoice every moment of eternity. In order for me to go and fit in his new Jerusalem, I must be made new myself. And this is exactly what God has promised to do for you, what he's guaranteed to do in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will help you get to the big party in the new Jerusalem. He will help you enter his festival presence in glory. Really, your helper has already done it. Really, your your helper, Jesus has already done it. In Jesus, God has come down. He's united himself to your humanity. He's become a human being. He's remaining God. And now also he's a human being. So he's united himself to your humanity in his incarnation. And in his baptism, he's pledged himself to be united to you forever. So that however it goes with you, it's going to go with him. And however it goes with him, it'll go with you. He's in it with you. He's walked the hard road of life. He's carried your humanity in his own person all the way up to the big party in his ascension into heaven. He's our forerunner. He's In himself, he's a, the firstborn of the new creation. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ by faith, he's a new creation. <clears throat> so the maker of heaven and earth has remade you in Jesus. And he is remaking you through the power of his Holy Spirit. So, uh, so Paul, when he's talking to the Philippians and he's rejoicing at how God has made them new, he says in, in chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm sure of this, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that new creation, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will. Even though this life is, uh, as we sing, full of dangers, toils, and snares, in His amazing grace, He will keep you, He will guard you until you are home with Him at the big party, at the great festival. Even though you might see your life as being full of reasons to believe that you're just not going to make it, you're probably wondering how can I make it? It's probably not possible. I'm probably not a Christian. I'm probably not going to heaven. Those kind of doubts and questions can uh, seep into your life and fill up your life. You, you might see your life as full of reasons to believe that you're not going to make it. Your helper has committed himself to seeing you through it all. You might feel like you're not good enough. You might feel like you're not faithful enough. You're not strong enough. Your faith is too weak. To make it to the big party, like the pilgrim on the road to Jerusalem who might slip on loose rocks, or slippery places. They just abound in our lives. They abound on your road through this life, but the, the Lord himself will make sure that you keep your footing. He's fully aware of all the rock slides and pitfalls. He's fully aware of your particular weaknesses and sins. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he keeps a careful, close watch at all times to preserve you on the way. At all times. The closest watch. Every moment of your walk through this life, he's guarding your steps. He's keeping your steps. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked his companions, uh, who were supposed to be helpers to him in some sense, uh, to keep watch with him in prayer, to help him. As he walked his difficult road. And three times he asked. And three times he found himself utterly alone. Because three times his companions fell asleep. But it says in our psalm, the Lord will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's constant, careful Watch being kept over your life. There's no earthly companion, no earthly help, no earthly guard so constantly attentive. You can't arrange for it. But the Lord will keep you on your way to his festival presence. Guaranteed, you will reach that destination because of him. Because of him, because of who he is, because of what he's done. Not, not even so much what you think about who he is, what you, what you can remember and the way you encourage yourself about what he's done. It's because of him, because he's the one who's actively keeping you. It says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord's your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And that's why you're going to reach your destination. It's because of him. Of course, so the, the sun striking you by day or the moon by night, it figures of speech, right? So when you get sunstroke in the middle of the desert, all your strength is drained and you fall down. Being moonstruck uh, is really this idea that uh, lots of cultures have had for thousands of years. Uh, it's, you lose your mind, right? It's a, it's a sort of a metaphor for that, being moonstruck. <clears throat> and together they give the basic picture of being utterly incapacitated in your life, being made unable to continue along your way. You're perishing from exposure because, because you're weak. Perishing from exposure before you make it to your destination. And the reason you're not going to do that, the reason you're not going to perish along the way, is because the Lord is your shade. The Lord is your shade. That's not just the picture of Him coming alongside of you, walking arm in arm, holding a nice parasol over the two of you. Here's some shelter that we can take together. He will shelter you with Himself. He Himself. Will intercept the rays of the sun and the moon. He himself will intercept death. The death that's coming for you in your weakness. And it's going to strike him and incapacitate him instead of you. You stood exposed to the wrath of God until your bodyguard threw himself in the way. The Lord Jesus on the cross, he's your shade. That's the shape of your shade. That's the shape of the shadow that you can hide in. He died in your place to shelter you from eternal death so that you can enter into eternal life and into God's festival, festival presence. And if God's done that, if he's given his son's life for you, he's surely going to protect you from anything, anything and everything, that threatens you along the way to the big party. Any threat, internal or external, it says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He'll keep your whole life. He'll keep you from any version of any, any harm. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Every moment. God is guarding your life. He's keeping you from harm. He's keeping you from the evil one, as we pray that He would in the Lord's Prayer. He's helping you in ways you're, you're not even aware you needed. And that doesn't mean you'll never stub your toe, right? He's keeping you from all sorts of evil. Keeping you from all sorts of harm, like stubbing your toe. That's not what it means. It, It doesn't mean you'll never be hurt by someone you love. It doesn't mean that you'll never struggle with doubt or depression. Struggle to believe whether God really does love you. It doesn't mean you'll never be persecuted for being a Christian. It doesn't mean you'll... You'll never lose the battle for cancer. The battle with cancer. But it means that none of those things will prevent you from entering into the glory of God's festival presence in the new heavens and the new earth because the Lord is your keeper. He's your helper. And He's committed to seeing you through and nothing can separate you from His love. Not anything, not ever. Even when you feel all alone on the hard road, Paul writes it well in Romans 8. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy... To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would impress upon us uh, the reality of your help and the shape of your help. That you've come into the world in the person of your Son to help us in ways that uh, we didn't know we needed to help us in ways that we actually resist uh, your, your help. But you gave your Son's life for us at the cross, and you've given your Spirit to us, and you will help us to persevere through this life until we make it to your festival presence in the new heavens and the new earth. We're sure of this. We're confident of this. Not because we're of great faith, but because what you have done is sure in giving your son's life for us, in raising him from the dead for us, in him ascending into heaven and going there as our our brother and our helper in order to make the way open for us, even for people like us. We pray that you would impress that truth upon us in ways that give us the full assurance of faith that you will keep us now and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.